This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of Now and Not Yet. Pressing in when you're waiting, wanting, and restless for more. Written and narrated by best-selling author Ruth Cho Simons and is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. From Christianity Today, this is Viral Jesus, a show about communication and the power of social connections, where we talk to some of the most influential Christian content creators to find out how they've made their faith go viral. Everyone I talk to on this show is someone I follow or was told to follow online. Most of the conversations you'll hear are with people I have never met in person, yet they impacted how I think. What does it look like for Christians to enter the chat thoughtfully? Let's grow together on Viral Jesus. I'm your host, Heather Thompson Day. It is almost Thanksgiving, which is my favorite holiday. So I hope you get to be encouraged by the small pause that we all get to take as we spend time with our people that we care about. If you are worried about next week, about family members discussing politics at the dinner table, please fear no more. I've got you. I've prepared for such a time as this. It's time for another hashtag blessed, where we look at a topic facing all of us with social media and decide whether it is a hashtag blessed or a hashtag mess. Today, I want to talk about what to do when conspiracy theories pop up at the Thanksgiving table. Okay, so today we are going to talk about what to do when the conversation comes up of politics at the Thanksgiving table. Is this a hashtag blessed or a hashtag mess? To give us some insight on this, I have brought in Jared Stacy. All right. Jared is a PhD candidate in theological ethics at the University of Aberdeen, where he is studying, get this, he is literally studying conspiracy theories and the American church. He's served across the American South and currently lives in Scotland with his wife, Stevie, and their three kids. Okay, Jared, social media has spread a lot of misinformation. We know this. What do we need to think about over this holiday season when it comes to the conversation of politics and conspiracy theories that we may be having as we eat our food together? Yeah. So this is what we all anticipate and maybe are a little dreading, right? The idea of sitting down to the table with your family and someone's going to fire a shot across the bow. And we spend a lot of time driving to these places, knowing, almost like rehearsing what's going to happen. And I think the first thing we can probably do is remind ourselves heading into these opportunities or these moments is to pray. I think that it's important that we Mm. kind of seed that moment to say, all right, I'm coming into a place. I think I know what's going to happen. Conspiracy theories are all about maintaining control and It's not just irrational. People believe these things. We all believe irrational things because we want to feel safe and we want to feel secure. And so prayer is a way to approach the Thanksgiving table by saying, you know what? I don't have control over how this is going to go. 
And that's one way to counter that conspiratorial thinking is just say, Lord, however this conversation goes, whatever conspiracy theory or politics may come across the table, I am going to give this moment to you and ask you to help me decide whether to pick this up or whether to put it down. And I think that's one helpful thing. And something I want to say even to that is as a communication person, I love that you said that because this is what I tell my students. What if we cared more about the person? Right than how the conversation even goes, right? Because when I come into a conversation with that energy, I promise you it will change the entire conversation. So I'm so glad that you just said that. And that's that's the thing. Winning an argument is not always the same as witness. And and there are two different Jared, we actually don't win arguments. (laughs) We win affection. There you go. This is true. I teach persuasion. We don't win arguments. We win affection. Thank you for saying that. Yeah. So, and, and that's conspiracy theories are all caught up in this kind of rational, like, but it's also very, people don't even realize what's going on when they buy into them. And so I think it generates mm. for us at least some empathy uh, to the person across the table and, and some curiosity with ourselves. Like, what are the things that I prefer not to question? And, and here's the thing about conspiracy theories mm. is that conspiracy theories always render the world right? In very stark terms, like good or evil. So you have to understand like the uncle or the aunt or the cousin who starts sharing these things, what they're trying to do is just replicate what conspiracy theories do is it's like, Hey, you got to make a choice. It's either you're in or you're out. You're either good or you're evil. Okay. I have to ask you, Jared, I have to ask you though, because my students will say, I'll say these things and they're like, but Dr. Day, I don't recognize my mom anymore. And there's like a lot of pain attached to that. What are you seeing in your research? How do we respond where there's this pain of, this isn't just my second cousin, this is my mommy, right? And I feel like they don't recognize me and I don't recognize them. How do we bridge these gaps? So there's, there's a whole world that we could go into about this academic conversation, but well, a lot of the work that I'm doing is trying to keep this pastoral and keep it on the ground for Christians mm. in these moments. And so I'm actually going to share something from a missionary who works and operates in a very, very non-Christian context. And what he shared with me was this. He said, I asked him, where do you even begin? And so I'm making one move treat someone who's a conspiracy theorist or who is into these things as someone who needs a listening ear and someone who, again, this is what he said. Mm -hmm. You're not going to convince someone. You're not going to do that in a moment. What he said was this. He said, instead of rolling a boulder down at them, aim to put a pebble in their shoe. Mm. Something that sticks with them over time that is uncomfortable, but eventually, so the the worst thing that could happen, right, is splitting the, the Thanksgiving table or burning the bridge and not getting that invite back. And that's hard because that requires endurance, that requires perseverance, that requires generosity in us as we look at people who we thought we knew and maybe don't know them anymore. And so I think two things, yeah. giving your space to grieve that is appropriate. And, and the second thing is giving yourself that opportunity to say, you know what, it's not on me necessarily to, to fix this, but what I can do is I can keep that proximity to someone and insert those pebbles in the shoes. I don't know what that might be. It might even be nonverbal. You know, Heather, you're, you're the communications expert. How much do we communicate, right. right, in ways that isn't always verbal? But those sort of dynamics, the verbal and nonverbal, it's all going to be there at Thanksgiving. And so I think recognizing that when you look at your mother, look at your dad, look at these close family members who they don't know you, you don't know them anymore. I think one of the things about it is that we have to recognize those pebbles in the shoe we may not see that immediate fruit over the weekend. 
we may not immediately see how that's affecting them. But conspiracy theories form a reality for people. And the difficult thing is asking questions or prodding or just simply offering an observation that fractures that bubble that people live in. And that's painful. Realize that you're inviting pain into that reality. So I think that's a couple of things to keep in mind. Jared, you are the real deal. I am so glad to have sat down with you. I'm so glad for people to listen to this conversation. I think it's really important that we stay in the business of humanizing one another. And I think you did that. Thank you so much. So what do you guys think? Do you talk about politics at your Thanksgiving table? Does that even come up? Is that a hashtag blessed or a hashtag mess? You decide. If you want to respond to our hashtag blessed segment today, if you have your thoughts on this topic, we would love to hear from you. Just type into your search bar, whether on Instagram or Twitter, type in at viral Jesus pod, and then just put a hashtag blessed on the end of whatever your comment is, and we will see it. We would love to enter the chat with you. I am so grateful for the past three weeks with you, where we could learn how to grow in confidence. I honestly took something away from each of our guests every single week. And I want to share with you some of the feedback you gave me on each episode before I talk to you about how I feel like I've seen myself grow or the things that I've learned over the past three weeks as we talked about how to gain self-confidence. But we sat down on week one, if you remember, with Amanda Pittman, who told us that we needed to stand in confidence. Sebastian said this. He said that he learned on the other side of fear is the version of ourselves that we need to be for the next chapter in our lives. And he said that because if you remember in the episode, Amanda had this moment She kind of had this moment where she just realized one day she was facing her greatest fear. She was standing face-to-face with the fact that there was a website with traffic and lots of people dedicated to how much they hated her. And yet she was still alive. Did it hurt? She says, yes, it absolutely hurt. She's like, but it didn't kill me. And so she had this moment where she's realized I'm standing face to face right now with my greatest insecurity. My greatest fear is that people won't love me or people will hate me. And I'm still here. And she realized I can survive even this. Someone else said on that episode, I'm just going to read it to you. They say, I was in tears throughout this entire day asking God why I can't defeat the fear that torments me, the fear of rejection and abandonment, the fear of being helpless. Thank you, Amanda, for your wisdom on this episode. I want you to know, no matter what fear you are sitting in right now, that you aren't alone. (laughs) This podcast and this community has taught me that so many of us are really kind of like we're just faking it, right? Like I think as adults, we somehow learn how to fake it. Like I've got this figured out. I have it all together. And we don't. 
And so we kind of walk around every day going to our little jobs and going on walks and showing up places and popping up online. And we're just faking it. We're just faking security. And we're faking confidence. And we're faking certainty. And we're faking resilience. And the reality is we aren't okay. And for some reason, for me, knowing that, knowing that I'm not alone, that there is this kind of collective ache right now, helps me realize that I'm not defective and I'm not broken and I'm not like unusually insecure. Like, this is normal. This is normal. This is life. And I'm working towards something. Realizing that I'm not alone in even insecurity itself, I think has made insecurity feel more okay, feel kind of more like the process that we all just submit ourselves to. In episode two of our pod class on healing, we sat down with Jordan Lee Dooley and learned how to embrace our almost. And I have to tell you, I feel like I am the queen of almost. It's kind of this running joke between my husband and I, because my life probably like yours is riddled with so many almost. When I was in high school, I ran for this pageant. It was called Miss Varian Springs. And I can remember when I was running for Miss Varian Springs, I can remember laying in my twin size bed, a senior in high school, and just saying, God, if you let me win this pageant, I will never ask you for anything ever again. Well, I got first runner up first runner up at the pageant. That was the first time I remember like saying out loud, almost. That was almost my story. And I can't tell you how many times since then that word has popped into my brain. I can't tell you how many book deals I've almost had or incredible job opportunities I've almost gotten that then fall through. One time I had a network contact me and I didn't even, listen, I didn't even look for it. Those are the worst almost when I, I was minding my own business. I wasn't even looking for this. And they wanted me to go through this interview process to host a television show for them. And friend, out of hundreds of applicants that they had headhunted for this, I go through this interview process that took months and months and months. It was like four or five months. And eventually out of hundreds of people, I make it to, I think the top three. And that's the end of the story. That's how I almost worked in television. I didn't get it. And I just remember feeling so defeated after that and just saying, okay, this is it, that God, this is another one of Heather's almost, the things that I almost had. I think about the word almost a lot and it haunts me. But one day as I'm, you know, grumbling, I do that a lot. (laughs) I'm just grumbling to the Lord. I really felt like the Holy Spirit kind of convicted me and just reminded me that, Heather, you were also almost married to somebody that you shouldn't have been married to, but thank goodness you didn't. And you also almost made a decision that would have taken you down 
a completely different path in your career. But thank God that he intervened and you didn't. And there's also this time a couple of years ago, Heather, where you almost lost your husband after he fell off a mountain and he almost died. You almost lost Seth, but you didn't. And I felt like the Holy Spirit just kind of convicted me and said, Heather, why don't you ever look at those almost? Sometimes I think in our lives, we look at the wrong set of almost. There are things right now, friend, that God has spared you from, and you don't even know it. You don't even know it. Because sometimes when we make the right choice, we don't think about what could have been the ramifications had we made the wrong one. Does that make sense? And I think about this a lot when it comes to sin, because I think sometimes there are things that we would do. There's that part in um, scripture, that story where they're going through a through Egypt and the king of the area after he doesn't take Abraham's wife, Sarah, right? And he says to God, like, well, I didn't even touch her. And God responds, because I didn't let you touch her. In other words, you had the intention to sin. I didn't allow you to fulfill your intentions. And I always think about that because I wonder sometimes, what are the things that like I pride myself, my self-righteousness will kick in and say, well, I didn't do that. Well, maybe God didn't let me do it. <laughs> Maybe the Holy Spirit protected me from myself. And I never stop and think about that set of almost that God was really present in my life for. Maybe I didn't have the opportunity to make that wrong choice. So I think sometimes we look at the wrong set of almost in our lives. My mentor said this to me one day and I say it to myself all the time. He said, Heather, always thank God for what you cannot see. Huh. For some reason, it's going to make me cry even right now to say that out loud because I just have to believe that even in things that I'm like, man, Lord, this would have made so much sense. Why couldn't you just work this out? Why couldn't you just, whatever it is, I have to thank God for what I could not see. This episode is brought to you in part by World Relief, an organization that partners with the local church to serve the most vulnerable. Around the world, increased conflict, the lingering effects of COVID-19, and disasters caused by our changing climate have left millions of people in desperate situations. Many are fleeing their homes and are facing starvation, persecution, and more. These overwhelming challenges cause many of us to wonder, can I make a difference? The answer is simple. Yes, you can. When you join The Path, World Relief's monthly giving community, you partner with World Relief in bringing hope and transformation to the millions experiencing vulnerability around the world. And when you partner with your monthly gift by September 30th, your first year of monthly gifts will be matched dollar for dollar up to $25,000. Double the impact of your giving and visit worldrelief.org slash viraljesus today.
Brandon said after listening to this episode with Jordan Lee Dooley on embracing our almost, he says, this was so good and so helpful. Thank you. I think the biggest thing I took away from Jordan also was there was this moment in the interview where she said, sometimes the setbacks and disappointments we experience give us a unique opportunity to slow down and zoom out and evaluate what we actually want out of our lives. Because sometimes we'll have this idea of of what it's supposed to look like. And we just kind of keep moving towards that idea and we never stop. Even maybe as seasons change and we've changed, we never stop and slow down and ask ourselves, is this really even for you? Is this even really what you want? The present is not our enemy. And that's a phrase I repeat to myself a lot because it often feels like the present is my enemy. And I'll say, Heather, what if the present is actually your ally? How can you gain confidence in whatever situation you're in to slow down, to zoom out, as Jordan says, and look at it from another angle and say, what could you be learning from this? What if this present moment is actually your ally? What if navigating this difficult season is going to better strengthen you for something else that's coming? What if you're going to tell this story and people will be able to experience faith in a way they never would have been able to experience faith had they not heard it from you? What if the present is not our enemy? It's good. In our last pod class episode on gaining self-confidence, we sat down with Tori Hope Peterson last week. It was just last week. And I absolutely loved her. I am not kidding. I have been repeating some of the stuff she said last week to myself over and over. She said essentially that life is about paying attention to the little things. Do you remember that moment in the interview? I loved it where she said, you know, I realized my life actually turned around from getting that one A. She said that one A in in one single class was a small shift in my life where A, I realized I could get an A, but it allowed me to be eligible to run track, which allowed me to gain confidence in myself as I won some track meets. And then I went to state. I became a four-time state champion. And then she ended up becoming Mrs. Universe. Now she has this book and she works trying to help kids in foster care, which is the system that she grew up in, all from one small A. Those small shifts in our life that we think are like nothing or it's not a big deal and we minimize them because on their own, they seem insignificant. What if there's this compounding effect where they keep opening us up to the next little thing? Not even a big thing, but the next little thing. And then that leads to the next little thing. And that leads to the next little thing. And then if we just keep showing up to our lives, friend, we'll look back, maybe not in months. But what if we look back in years and we say, oh my goodness, I'm not the same person anymore. I cannot believe that little by little by little I've grown and I don't recognize that person anymore. Exodus 23, 29 through 30 says, 
It's, it's the part in Exodus where God is talking to Moses about his plan for Israel as they cross into the promised land. And I have this highlighted in my Bible. I encourage you to go find it. Exodus 23, 29 through 30. You should highlight this. You should put a little sticky note maybe on your mirror or at your desk at work that just says little by little, because it says this, God is talking and he says, I will not drive them out before you in a single year, talking about the people in the land. Otherwise, the land would become desolate and wild animals would multiply against you. Verse 30, little by little, little by little, I will drive them out ahead of you until you become fruitful and possess the land. That's God. That's God. God is a God of little by little, of daily bread, right? Of one small shift to the next one, to the next one. And if we just keep showing up to these little opportunities, there's this compounding effect where we have no idea how this is going to change our lives. Somebody said at one point, because I told them I was going to start trying to read at least one book a month. And by the way, I love my Viral Jesus community because when we have people on the program and they talk about their books, every single time I have people write me afterwards saying, oh, I bought that book. And I absolutely, like, we're readers. This community, I'm with all of the people that are invested in their growth in this community because you guys read and you tell me, Um, what you've learned from the guests that we have on and their books. But I remember I was going to, I made this decision. I think this is like 2019 or 2020 where I said, I'm going to start just reading one book a month. That way, at least every year, I will have been exposed to 12 different books, 12 different bodies of research and I'll grow if I just keep doing that. And I didn't, I'm not good at math, but if you do that year by year by year, it's not just 12 books anymore, right? It's now in two years, I've done 24 books and then 36 books. I mean, that year by year by year, that is going to be a compounding effect on my life and absolutely change the trajectory of my life. To have just sat at the feet of all these different teachers who have gathered this information and consolidated it into one place for me, that's what happens when we start showing up to our lives little by little. Brittany said, after listening to last week's episode, she said, this conversation was an incredible combination of women. And I just want to thank you for saying that, Brittany. Olivia said, I absolutely loved Tori's story. And I did too. I found her to be extremely inspiring. When we started this conversation three weeks ago, I opened by telling you that lately I had been digging. (laughs) I said that I get up every morning and the process of, of my gaining confidence in God and myself was a process of where I had to dig. I was looking for the living water that was supposed to just be in me and I couldn't find it. And so I was in a season of digging and digging and digging. And I've had many of you just at me online and tell me that you really resonated with that description of feeling like I have to dig to even show up to my own life today. That's the season that I'm in. But I do want to tell you that something happened for me 
in the past few weeks, honestly, as we've gone through this podcast journey where I think I dug so deep, I hit something. I hit solid ground. And I need you to know nothing has changed in my circumstances. I still have so many unanswered questions with God that I'm wrestling through right now. In fact, I'm going to be, let's keep it real. Okay. I'm going to be 100 with you. I laid in bed last week and I said out loud, I said, God, I don't know what's going on, but I have always thought you were my person. I have always thought that you were going to show up for me or you were going to fix it. And I'm not seeing that right now. It feels like you're not my person. I said that to God and I meant it. I just want you to know as you listen to this episode that I'm not perfect. I am just as confused by God right now. I'm not talking about some past season that I've made it through. I'm telling you, I'm in this valley right now. And I am just as confused with God as you are. But I think my digging has allowed me to move past my feelings, which by the way, are still hurt. But I think I've been able to move past my feelings and into what I know to be true about who God is. And here is what I know. Here is what I want you to know. Here's what I will believe for you. If you can't believe it right now, I will believe it for you. I know that God is my person, even when it doesn't feel like it. I know that. I have seen it. I have experienced it. I have lived it. And I want you to ask yourself if you can just take some moments, maybe even pause this right now and just reflect over your life and say, okay, 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 okay. Where have I seen the hand of God? Not what do I feel? Because it's very difficult when we feel hurt or abandoned or even used. It's difficult to feel anything outside of that feeling of disappointment. I want to ask you, what do you see? In what areas of your life over the past 10 years have you clearly seen the hand of God? So are we going to have days or nights when we don't, we don't get it? Are there nights for me where I don't feel confident that God is even listening to me? Yes. But my feelings are not Lord over my life. I have to believe that God is Lord over my life. I have confidence in who God is. I have confidence that God sees me even when I don't feel it. And that's the solid ground that I think I'm standing on as I record this for you right now. That is the solid ground I hope you can dig yourself to, to this place that goes past whatever it is we may feel. And I'm not saying our feelings aren't valid, but we have to remind ourselves of what we know to be true. Are we perfect? No. 
Are we ever going to be certain of why God is letting us sit or letting us wait or not answering what we're praying or bringing a really difficult, legitimate challenge into our lives. Are we going to be certain of why this is happening? I personally think certainty was never part of the promise of Christianity. In fact, I really believe this. I think being a Christian means I don't get to be certain anymore. I subscribe myself to faith. And faith literally means that we have to have doubts that, or else it's not faith. I subscribe myself to the mystery that is God. I subscribe myself to a God that scripture says ways are higher than my ways. So certainty is not going to be the result of surrendering our lives to God. It just isn't. Actually, I think our relationship becomes stronger when we are uncertain because we're not relying on ourselves anymore. And we have to fall back into who God is. We become reliant on God. But I do think that you can be confident of this. You can be confident that right now, God sees you. And you can be confident that God hears you. God is absolutely working in your life right now even when it feels like you've been abandoned. The first thing we learn about God in Genesis 1 is that God moves. It says, this is Genesis 1, 1 through 2. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was waste and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. I want you to listen to this next part. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. God has been moving over this earth since before you were even a speck on it. God has been moving over this earth before God even created light, which is the first command. I honestly, I think God cannot help but move. I can assure you, God is moving right now. And that's how we gain our confidence. We gain our confidence because we believe, even if I can't see it, even if I can't feel it, God is moving because that's who God is. And I also want to tell you, I have confidence in you. I have confidence that you and I are going to keep showing up to our lives. You wouldn't be listening to this podcast if that wasn't your desire. You wouldn't be trying to grow if it wasn't your desire to keep growing. And I wouldn't be recording this episode if it wasn't my desire. So here we are, two imperfect people who are still showing up. And we are going to keep showing up. And we're going to keep learning. And we're going to keep growing and processing and making mistakes along the way. 
you know what? I think we're going to get to where we are going, even from here. And you want to know how we're going to do that? We're going to do it little by little. So to recap our entire pod class journey over the last three weeks, number one, Amanda Pittman taught us to face our fears and stand in confidence. Number two, Jordan Lee Dooley taught us that almost doesn't have to be a bad word. Number three, Tori Hope Peterson taught us that life changes little by little we can get to where we are going right from here. Viral Jesus was brought to you by Christianity Today. I've been your host and creator, Heather Thompson Day, producer and audio engineer, Lauren Joseph, and executive producer, Ed Gilbreth. Please review and recommend us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. There is no episode next week due to Thanksgiving, but I will be back with you on December 1. Hello, December. Like, what? (laughs) What is happening? It's December. What? It's going to be 2023 in weeks. So start blasting the Mariah Carey, All I Want for Christmas is You. It is happening. And honestly, you know what? I'm ready for it. We are going to have an awesome conversation on December 1 with YouTube sensation Anne Lynn. She has like half a million subscribers on YouTube. And yet she's so down to earth. I'm so excited that she's going to sit down with me and that I get to introduce her to you. So I'll see you in two weeks for another conversation where a viral Jesus guest talks and you and I listen so we can learn. I love growing with you on Viral Jesus. This episode was brought to you in part by The Truce Podcast. The new season examines the connection between some evangelicals and the Republican Party with the help of world-class historians. Subscribe to Truce in your podcast app or listen at trucepodcast.com.